0: Hello, Simon here. Just wanted to do a couple of housekeeping things before the episode starts. Firstly, Rachel's taking a bit of a break, hopefully just one episode, we'll see. We've got a great guest um, in her place today, you'll find out who that is shortly. I also wanted to say that we've just recently set up a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash tea or books. Uh, we're very happy, of course, for people to keep listening without signing up to that. That's great, and we don't expect anything but um thought we might try and recoup some of the hosting costs of the podcast and offer some rewards along the way as well. So for those familiar with Patreon, it's a way of supporting people who create things essentially um and with there are various amounts you give monthly, and the rewards include shout outs uh books in the post, letters, all sorts of things uh go and find out more at patreon.com forward slash t or books if you want to otherwise of course please feel free to keep listening we really appreciate everyone who listens and we're really pleased that you do and now on to episode 52 Hello, welcome to episode fifty two of Tea Or Books. Um I'm Simon. With me is a special guest who I will mention in a moment. But first of all I'll let you know that in this episode we're doing crime versus detective fiction in the first half. Get ready for some uh definitional exercises that may not go anywhere. Um and the second half we're doing two uh non-fiction books by Beverly Nichols called The Sweet and Twenties and Mary Hall. We can discuss whether or not Mary Hall is non fiction later. But first I will introduce our guests. We have Karen from Cagsy's Bookish Ramblings. Hello, Karen.
1: Hello, Simon.
0: <laughs> Very nice to have you with us. Um, how are you feeling?
1: Fine, if a little nervous.
0: <laughs> Good. We'll be, I'll be kind. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know um, your um, history and the book internet, I guess, <laughs> do you want to give a quick intro to yourself?
1: Yes. Uh, I started book blogging about six, getting over seven years ago. I think it's really Um, flown
0: by yes
1: (laughs) I know I can't believe it's that long um basically I was reading other people's book blogs and enjoying them Mm. and enjoying the recommendations and thought well hey have a go yourself which I did and it um I've been doing it ever since which is enjoyable if a little stressful time wise at times (laughs) sort of juggling the uh, the real life and the online life can be a bit difficult occasionally and keeping up with the reviewing but basically love it so
0: yes I do always find whenever I think i've discovered a new blog i'll go and go to write a comment on their first post and you're always there karen you've always got there first you you seem to know everyone (laughs) (laughs) no
1: no no. (laughs) um and what are you reading at the moment well having just finished beverly i'm having one of my regular what shall i read now crises Mm. i've got a sort of pile of review books to look read and review but mm. i'm not necessarily wanting to pick up one of them and i picked up in nairn's book about paris last night okay and picked i had it's a lovely notting hill editions hardback okay. and they're gorgeous and i sort of picked it read a few pages thought i'm not sure this is actually speaking to me at the moment so i'm not actually at this moment in time reading anything gasp
0: okay <laughs>
1: Gasp! yeah so it's is most unusual
0: are you are you a one book at a time person then
1: I am nowadays. I used to not be. I used to often have several on the go at once and perhaps be juggling a non-fiction and a fiction and even a crime at the same Mm -hmm. time. But I don't find that works for me so much anymore. And if I do do that, I tend to end up abandoning at least one of the books. So I I tend to nowadays be a a one-book-at-a-time person, mostly.
0: Rachel will be very pleased. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I'm reading, um, Ledin Hill by Rachel Crompton at the moment. Oh! Um, have you read Rachel Crompton? I can't remember.
1: I don't think so. I mean, I know of her, but I don't think I've read her.
0: Ah, so I loved the Just William books as growing up and still do. Um, and then in about 2002, I, I came across, I think it was Weatherly Parade was the first adult novel I read by her mm-hmm. and I loved it. And over the next two or three years, I probably read about 20 books by her, and amassed several more, but there's been a bit of a break, and now I read one every couple of years. <laughs> um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And there's sort of sprawling family sagas, or not, not particularly family in this one, but um, village sagas, I guess. Lots of characters, but she always does the same characters, it seems. Different names, but the same characters. There's always a pair of sisters or teachers who, one is dominant over the other, and the other one has to learn how to get free from it. And there's always you know, um, a, f- a fractious marriage that ends up being sold by the end and there's always someone who starts drinking cooking sherry when she shouldn't so it's so that sort of novel yeah <laughs> i've not no but if it's sherry a, yet.
1: If, <laughs> <But> <laughs> if it's a formula and you enjoy it it doesn't matter does it?
0: exactly yeah so now that i'm spacing them out a bit more <laughs> the, the occasional one that but what she did called narcissa was rather darker and, and really well done i think and family roundabout is the one that persephone had published that's probably yes her, her best one or frost at morning also very good but yes, um, I'm not finding it quite as wonderful as I did back in 2002, although I'm still very much enjoying it. But I think that probably says more about the number of books I've read since. It, it, was, it was sort of, how old was I in 2002? 17. So I was just discovering sort of the world of, you know, adult literature, mm. I guess. And yeah. It had perhaps had fewer marks of reference.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. Your, your view on books does change over the years and it's affected by what you've read in the interim.
0: Absolutely. So um
1: what you what I read at 17 and, and what I thought of it is very different now which is a lot longer than you are from <laughs> 17 but but even so it's um it's bound to be influenced by what you read what other books you come across and you have a different perspective looking back than you yeah. did at the time
0: Yeah and I, because I don't reread very often I, I suppose I don't notice it as much as as some people do if they do reread Didn't do you, do you reread mm.
1: much not as much as I used to. Mm. Um, I used to reread a lot and I, there are several books I can name that I've read so many times it's ridiculous. <laughs> Favourite ones. I mean, I, I went through a phase, gosh, and this is a long time ago, of rereading The Lord of the Rings endlessly. Oh, right. <laughs> I had a re- okay. real, real obsession with it. Yes. And reread it several times, I think, on the trot because I loved it so much. But I, I, I like rereading and there are certain books I have gone back to since I started blogging. Um, and it, but it's a risk, yeah, especially yeah. if it's a book you've read in your formative years, if you like, and one that you thought very highly of at the time and you loved the risk of going back to it later. You may yeah. love it all over again, or you may read it completely differently, or you may hate it. And if you thought you loved it and you go back and hate it, that's <laughs> a bit of a blow. Yeah. So it, it's a double edged sword rereading. I mean, I've been, I think I've been fortunate with most of the ones I have reread in that I have loved them. But it, it is... And it takes time out of reading the new books as well.
0: So many books to read, yes. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. Don't talk to me about that. <laughs>
0: um, yes, I think we talked about... that Rich and I talked about this in a our, in our episode where we talked more about rereading in general. But I because, I do find that I and most people tend to go... If we do reread, it's to go back to books we've loved. And you tend not to reread the books that you're a bit ambivalent about or thought, were well, just okay. And those are the ones that might secretly turn out to be brilliant now. <laughs> so Yes. Um, I found that with One Fine Day by Molly panted um which I thought was fine the first time I read it. And then when I reread it, I thought, this is one of the best books I've ever read.
1: <laughs> so, it, um, it is an excellent book. Uh, uh, but I think had I read it when I was younger, I might might have got a lot less out of it. Yeah.
0: That's the thing.
1: So, some books you come to at a later age, for want of a better description, and you react, even something like Anna Karenina, Hmm. I think I only read that either last year or the year before. Now, had I read that in my teens or 20s, I would have been all caught up in the romance between Anna and Vronsky and how wonderful it was and all the romantic stuff. But I saw it very differently reading at an older age, much more looking at the effect on everybody else and and seeing their central relationship is actually quite selfish. And that's that's, again, a different reading at a different age, I think.
0: Yeah, and shamefully I've never read it, so I have to find the right age to read it for the first time. I'm woefully ignorant of the Russians, and I know that you are are quite the expert. um, I think
1: they're too long for you, some of them. Well, exactly. (laughs) They're over 500 pages,
0: aren't (laughs) they? The only Russians I've read are sort of, you know, Dostoevsky's extremely short. He probably thought they were stories, but to me they're (laughs) novels. I read um, the, The Double and... Uh, The Eternal Husband. Oh, right, yeah. Very very short. (laughs)
1: Yeah, The Gambler is good, and that's not a long one. That's one of my favourites, yeah.
0: I was talking to someone the other day about what I was reading, and I always see the respect fade out of their eyes when I acknowledge that I like short books, because I don't expect someone who, you know, who professes to be a a literary person to, to care about the length of a book, but... But that's, yes, a debate right. I've often had with people.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, I can understand it because sometimes that commitment to a massive book is just impossible to get into everyday life.
0: Absolutely. Another um, case of, yes, too many other mm, books waiting. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, one of our trademark segues, I think, comes in handy here with rereading mm. because... Yeah. Crime and detective fiction, not that easy to reread. There you go, there's a segue. (laughs) Um. No,
1: not that easy, no, no. Not if you know the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So yes, our first topic, Karen and I were trying to find um, one of the major overlaps between our tastes, and so we went for um, detective fiction and then decided to compare it to crime fiction. But, um, well, you you can go first, Karen, on what's your understanding of the distinction between crime and detective fiction? I'll see if it's the same one that I have. Well, if if I have one at all, really.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that I've got a very clear-cut one, because I was thinking about wandering around a Waterstones or a bookshop or somewhere, and going to what they would call the crime section, Mm. and thinking how many different sorts of book would be just in that one section. Mm -hmm. Because you can take Sherlock Holmes, you can take Agatha Christie, and all the Golden Age crime detectives. If you can take the modern, horrible, violent ones, Mm -hmm. which I've given up reading you can take the hard-boiled American detective stories your Dashiel Hammetts and your Raymond Chandlers. Yeah. So even within that one so-called genre, and I don't like genres, <laughs> um, I, I just think, just, just call them books. Um, <laughs> but even within your genres, um, you can have so many different shades of book within that that to actually come up with hard and fast definitions is very difficult. I mean, I like golden age crime. Yes. I love it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I... Came across it in my teens when I first read Agatha Christie. Um, and I've loved it ever since, all the various shades in between. But I read Sherlock Holmes in my teens as well. And all the older ones, I just think, are fabulous. I have read Modern Crime. Um, it's got so violent, I won't touch it with a barge pole because yeah. I don't like it. And it's crime against women mostly as well, which I don't like. Did you see that news
0: story recently? They set up a, a prize for... um for crime novels that didn't feature assault or rape or murder of women, um, really no, yeah, because it's sort of like a mini um, Ferrari, I guess, on Twitter. Because Val McDermott was very unhappy that her novels would be excluded from these criteria um, or cri- criterion I guess, um, mm. because you know her books often do, and she and she was saying, "I do this as a way of drawing attention to violence against women, etc." Um, my, my view is that. You know, it's okay for not every book to be eligible for every prize. And, you know, it, I think it's fine to, to have a prize that does this. And, you know, I don't want to read, uh, again, about violence against anyone, to be honest, graphically. No. But particularly, uh, you know, so much, women are so much disproportionately affected by by violence in the world. I think it's, it's nice and to not have to have graphic depictions of that. And you can have, and that's the thing with golden age detection you, as well, you can have a violent act that cause that you need there for, to be the puzzle for, for example Yes. but you don't need to be a sort of voyeur to it you don't need to, it to, no. to be graphic um, and I, no, I do that's, question that's... why people want to read graphic depictions of violence
1: <laughs> well I do as well and I think you're quite right there that could be if you like the the dividing line between the two genres because it's in the golden age type of mysteries or even in modern ones that are not so violent the puzzle is what attracts Mm -hmm. me it's the modern ones it's almost um more thrillery
0: yeah it's sort of
1: this person's done these vile things how will we track them down will we get to them in time before they do more vile things whereas with the golden age crime it's solving the puzzle and watching the detective be clever and seeing if you can be as clever as the detective so the, the focus is perhaps different on the two different types
0: Yes, in my head, the difference is that crime has blood in it and detective fiction doesn't. <laughs> but it's, it yeah, that's nuanced. a good one. Yes. <laughs> Not the most nuanced, but it, it works in my head. Um, yeah. Do you remember what the first Agatha Christie you read was?
1: Probably Murder on the Orient Express.
0: Ah, classic, yes. <laughs> because
1: um, I think it was, yes, it would have been about, probably around the time the film came out in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, because I, I used to go to the cinema a lot in my teens. There was nothing else to do where I lived. Um, so we all would just went to the cinema all the time. And I saw, I mean, that, that, that's got partly why I got into the Russians as well, which is another story. But um, yes, I, I think it probably would have been Murder on the Orient Express, which of course is enough to convince anybody that she's a genius. Well, and yes. <laughs> I mean, so I just basically gathered every Agatha Christie that I came across, and got them out of the library or picked them up at jumble sales or whatever. Yeah, yeah. because uh, i And I still have them all on my shelves.
0: My first one was um, A Murder Is Announced, um, oh. which my grandparents got for me. Um, which I think I still think is a, one of her better ones, but potentially because I read it first. But, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't reread it since then. Or they did see a play of it once. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Agatha Christie uh, as, as um, we've done. Have said on her before as well. I don't particularly like the international spy ring type of Agatha Christie. I prefer it when it's a domestic, you know. Yes. It happens in a country house and it's all because someone knocked over a birdcage sort of crime. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, I was thinking that one of the differences between crime and detective fiction, thinking Golden Age and Agatha Christie, you might say is because there is a detective in one, but the things like And Then There Were None or Endless Night, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there's no detective in those novels. No. Um, no. And so I think it is the puzzle. I think it is the... Um, yeah, the sort of enigma at the heart of it, and often you know the murder happens just before or in the first few pages because it just has it's just something you need in order to set up the puzzle.
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, I, and I think the ones that you mentioned, what you might call, them more psychological books. Um, mm-hmm. s- still, they, they're still. I would class them as golden age crime, definitely, mm. because they haven't got the the blood and the gore, um, which seems to be the requisite for modern ones. Um, And even even older books, if you take the hardboard stuff, I've not read Chandra, but I have read Dashiell Hammett and I love Dashiell Hammett. It's not I mean, it's tough guy, but it's not there's not the, the blood and gore there is nowadays. And it's incredibly well written. So I will read that, but I won't read the modern version, which would be graphic.
0: Yes, I also admit to coming from a place of profound ignorance and that I've read no modern crime novels as far as I can remember. <laughs> except I did start reading, uh, The Silkworm by, um, Robert Galbraith, um, aka J.K. Rowling under a pseudonym, um, because I loved the Harry Potter books, um, when they were coming out and I thought she, I often thought she'd be really suitable for this, that sort of book because she's very good at, I mean, the Harry Potter books in many ways are mysteries and was often mm. something to be uncovered. But I, end, I gave up in the end because I found it really boring. I mean, it was also extremely graphic and disgusting, but that which I wasn't happy about, but I just found it quite tedious. Did you read any of the Galbraith books?
1: No, I didn't. I read, I've read. only read some of the Harry Potters, not all of them. Mm. Uh, the, my various offspring have read the lot, but I, I've only read a few. Uh, I didn't read the Galbraith because I wasn't really drawn to them, to be honest. Yeah. But, I mean, I have read... I mean just trying to think i read a lot of the scandy crime in the early days oh really um oh, yeah. and there the, are the ones that were written in the 60s the martin beck books and i'm not going to attempt to um, pronounce the names <laughs> of the authors of them but they were the if you like the original protagonist uh, project not protagonist progenitors, possibly of the um the scandy crime books and they wrote this sequence of books about this detective martin beck and they spread it over the 60s and into the 70s, and they were kind of meant to reflect the changes that were happening in Swedish society at the time. Mm, okay. But they're they're like ensemble casts, and they're very, very good books. They're they're not graphically graphic. Um, <laughs> they they're getting close to where I lose my comfort zone, and I've read all the um, Henning Mankel books as well, Valender. Um mm. and they again they are just just on the edge of you have to skim over the pages a little bit. I abandoned The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, me too, it actually. So re-
0: yes. that was, it was revolting.
1: Yeah. It was it so was revolting. It was horrible.
0: Um, and just, uh, I mean, it was, yes, partly I gave up because it was so horrible. It was just thought, what's the most unpleasant thing we can think of, or I can think of? Yeah. Um, and partly just because it was so badly written, I thought. <laughs> just, you know, so many, yeah. Everything was trademark this, trademark that. He you know, looked at his Rolex watch to see what time he should yeah. turn on his Samsung TV, or that sort of thing. But,
1: um, yeah. Well, I, I remember reading the beginning and I almost gave up at the, about the first 20 or 30 pages were all just about some company. And I was thinking, this is oh, yes. just boring as anything. <laughs> and I think and I, I ended up skipping to the end. So I sort, sort of read it because the actually if you took out all the horrible stuff, there was quite an interesting puzzle in there. Okay. But it, it was all submerged again underneath this other stuff. And his claim was that he was trying to highlight the violence against women. Mm. But there's there's a very there's a very wobbly line there. Sort of, are you highlighting it or are you exploiting it? Because you're presenting this and some people are going to get what they get from it. So I don't buy that necessarily. And I never read the other two.
0: Yeah. So Um, of course he he died before they were translated. So it's very hard to question him on it now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but I, I, so I love the, the Martin Becks, which were sixties, seventies, but you move forward. And I, I think somebody gave me a Joe Nesbo. Once, because okay. he was another Swedish crime writer, because I had read all the Hollanders and the Becks, and I didn't like it at all. Again, and I thought this is this is the point I walk away from this kind yeah, of the line of sand because, yeah. because it's kind of why am I wasting my time reading these when I'm not getting much out of them? I could be reading something I'm enjoying, so yeah. I'll go back to golden age crime. <laughs> it's just it's always much more, even if even if it's a lightweight one,
0: yeah. and
1: some of them are. If I'm honest, I mean. The British Library crime classics, which I love, mm-hmm. some of them are lighter than others. Some of them are like one read, like, like having a box of chocolates or whatever. Yeah. Others are more substantial, but they're always enjoyable uh, in one way or another. So,
0: And we've talked about how much we both love Agatha, but yes, are there any other um, highlights for you from perhaps from the British Library uh, series?
1: Well, uh, Anthony, the complex Anthony Berkeley.
0: Oh, yes, okay,
1: yeah. Who... Yep. who I love the Poison Chocolates case, and I love the way he sort of plays with the genre, if you like. Hmm. Um, but um, I, I, can you remember that I reviewed um, one, of the, one of the ones that quite alarmed me with all the spanking in it? Yes, yes. That um, <laughs> that that was quite a shock, so that rather sh- sort of disturbed my view of him, shall we say.
0: <laughs> Don't <laughs> seem quite the, the same light. Like. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's the first time the word "spanking" has been used on Teal books, so yeah. Very, well, it very was,
1: <laughs> well, it's not something that I was would go on about on my blog. ordinarily, but it couldn't, couldn't have ignored it. Um, yeah. But oh, they're, they're, I mean, the John Bude ones are nice. They're sort of set in various locations. They're quite fun as well. Um, and anything that's got a locked room in, I'm a fan of. I, like oh, I love the locked mystery. room mystery.
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I love the oh, TV love them, series yeah. Jonathan Creek.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just love locked room mysteries. Um, I've read a fair amount of John Dixon Carr. Over the last year or so, but it I mean, if tempting. you're talking, if, if you're talking about Golden Age, I mean, Dorothy L. Sayers. I just, I love the whimsies. Always uh-huh, love the whimsies.
0: Okay, so I wanted Rachel to read some so that we could talk about them, which she hasn't mm-hmm. done because I hate him and I don't like those books at all. Oh no! <laughs> and it's just one, it's just one of those things where my, I can have someone whose taste is almost exactly the same as mine, but that's the place we'll differ. I just yeah. find him. So intensely annoying, and I, <laughs> as a person, um, he's just, oh, he's just so insufferably self pleased. <laughs> um, and I've only read, I read two, I've read Strong Poison, which I don't think he's in very much, um, and Gordy Knight, which he is in a lot, and I really disliked Gordy Knight. Oh my goodness. Because it was, I know, I know, and, and going to Maudlin and everything, it was even on the cover of the book copy I had. But, um, but yes, partly just how, I thought it was far too long, and he was very annoying. And I found the solution quite—I um, don't know—I can't really describe what I found annoying about the solution without giving it away. But it, but it annoyed me. <sighs> there you go. This is the um, rant I've been wanting to get off my chest for a while. <laughs> that's
1: fine. I mean, we wouldn't—it'd be boring if we all like the same things. I mean, Goldie Knight is one of my favourites, um, probably because I have a chip on my shoulder about never having gone to university. <laughs> so any books about the university experience, I love. I I can accept it's not without its its flaws. Um, There's a lot of class issues in there. Yes, Um, that's the
0: main gist of my problems with it, I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah, somebody who is involved in what happens at the university, shall we say.
0: um,
1: There's a a lot of judgmental class issues there, um, which I now can look at and be uncomfortable with. When I first read it, I probably didn't necessarily see that. But it's 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 a book talking about re- reading that I have reread several times because I love the atmosphere of the place. But okay. I can understand people finding whimsy annoying, so I'd never attempt to force Dorothy tales <laughs> on everyone anyone. And I
0: have before. to say, actually, because um, I sort of had the opposite experience of, of, of having been at university far too long, I couldn't really um, I, I see a. Intenders to see well clear of books set in universities because it just gives me flashbacks to you should be writing your thesis not reading a book simon thing
1: <laughs> <So, laughs> well um, exactly yes. we come from these things from different perspectives <laughs> um
0: i really enjoyed martin edwards book um called i think it's called the golden age of detective fiction or the golden age of crime or something like that um which goes through many different authors it was, it was centered around the detection club um, yes which most of the people we've mentioned have been were members of um, I think particularly looks at Sayers and is it Berkeley? Berkeley, Berkeley, Berkeley? Yeah, and Berkeley, Berkeley. Oh,
1: I don't know if he's Berkeley or Berkeley but yeah. him, <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, yeah, so, and a third and I can't remember who the third was but um, yeah but, I mean it also mentions hundreds of other books it seems he's, he's a, such an expert on this area and quite often I'd read something he'd give a, a quick outline of the premise and I think oh I really want to read that and look it up and the only copies cost like £200 or something so mm. <laughs> oh well. But, um, but I found that fascinating for an overview because I think particularly before the British Library crime classics started coming out, my understanding... I mean, I knew there was a lot of Golden Age detective fiction, but in terms of the pe- the authors, I knew it was it was limited to the big hitters, I think. So yes. Been, yeah, and he's been editing that series for British Library as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's been great for finding all sorts of names that I didn't know about. My, my favourite from that series is... Um, Alan Melville, his Quick Curtain, uh-huh. um, and Death of Anton I thought was less good, but Quick Curtain was ex- really funny, which you don't get all that often. In, in, I mean, quite often you get humour, but that one was just sort of laugh out loud funny, um, as well as good characters and a good plot. So yes, he's a discovery I'm very grateful for.
1: Ooh, I've got one of his on, at least on the, the pile unread,
0: yes, <laughs> so yeah. i have to get to that.
1: But I, have, I haven't read the Edwards book, but his introductions are always so sort of essential to the books. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously really knows his stuff, doesn't he? Which is, um, but I mean, when I first yeah. started reading Golden Age comics again, going back decades, there there wasn't that depth of information about it, and you tended to be sort of scrabbling around with whatever you happened to come across in the charity mm-hmm. shop, and guided by what you could find in old Green Penguins from years gone by. So it's nice that there actually is something giving you all that background and information. And and unfortunately, great long lists of authors that you want to check out.
0: (laughs) And he did another book um, called "A Hundred Years of Crime" through, hundred years or something. A hundred years is in the title somewhere. I'll put it in the notes for the show. Yeah. Um, But um, which is sort of there's quite a lot of overlap with his other book, but it's basically a hundred synopses, obviously without spoilers, um, where he does yeah sort of an overview of the different types of crime books being written. Another one, I think. The ones mentioned there are probably slightly easier to find. And I've been writing down titles. So, um, yes, I've had that on the go for quite a while. Mm. Um, it's good fun. Lists
1: of, lists of, book of da- books are dangerous.
0: Well, I know, exactly. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, some I find that detective fiction does, I mean, it has to be well written throughout, but I've had a lot of emphasis on how good the solution is um so i if i if i come away and i'm a bit disappointed with who ended up being that it does sort of spoil the whole book for me
1: yeah i'm kind of like that and if i guess as well because oh, yes. when you have when you're as old as i am and you've read as many crime novels as i have <laughs> um you can sometimes pick up what's flagged as the don't you think yeah it's yeah, him yeah. i mean the that, the worst Um, example of that ever and it wasn't an actual crime crime novel it was but it was a modern woman's novel I think I read it in the 90s and it was sort of a bit of a mystery of what happened in the past at this woman's college Hmm. and I read the first page and thought yeah it's her and it was (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not going to mention any names or any titles but I had got it on the first page and that was really disappointing. That is disappointing Um, yes and even
0: worse is if it turns out to be someone that you've never seen before or, or you, there's a huge fact they didn't tell you which people often say about Agatha Christie which isn't at all fair I don't think except a, no. few, a few of her very final ones weren't very good but before that she's always extremely fair with the clues she gives I think
1: yeah um. I must admit I've just finished which one did I finish uh, it was one of the ones I got for Christmas a British Library crime classic by John Rowland and I've mm-hmm. Did um Murder in the Museum And this one is Calamity in Kent I've got the review schedule But it's not up yet mm. And that was one I was getting very close To the end Thinking well hang on There um. aren't that many Characters in the mix At the moment Who is going to be the Yeah Whoever And it, it was Cleverly done Um Not I wouldn't say 100% Satisfactory
0: Yeah
1: But it wasn't like Suddenly oh here is this Character in the last Five pages that you've Never actually seen before Because that really Annoys me Yeah
0: um well, we're coming up to probably to about the time we should be making our decision um yes. it, which will be a mystery to everyone to solve <laughs> can detect this one, <laughs> but um mm. <laughs> guess what I am going to go for detective fiction How about you? yeah, I think I'll
1: be with you there as well, yes, definitely detective fiction <laughs>
0: but I would the like older it. the better <laughs> yes well quite well, within limits <laughs> so yeah. if it's before nineteen twenty I'm not that interested but <laughs> um, <No, we'll... laughs> but that just goes for most literature so um. But I I would be interested to hear from anybody who does read a lot of modern crime now um, with any suggestions you have, particularly if it's things that you think the golden age aficionado might also enjoy, so do get in touch. Um, But yes, in the second half, um, another overlap between our our loves is Mr. Beverly Nichols, and I put the Mr. in it in case people don't know that Beverly Nichols was a man. Um, And... Karen saw that I had recently got a copy of The Sweet and Twenties and not read it, and she also had it waiting, so we decided to go for that. But um, when did you first start reading uh, Beverly, um, and do you you remember what you started
1: with? I do, actually. It was quite a while back. Um, I think it must have been back in 2013. I haven't looked exactly on the blog. It might even have been before that. But I saw him mentioned on uh, the Reading 1900 to 1950 blog, Oh yeah. um which is I think sheffield University isn't it they they chose yeah sheffield Hamm, um and they they reviewed crazy pavements mm. and I thought, well, I like the sound of that it sounds quite fun i have never heard of this guy and i mean i do i do quite I do like the 1920s a lot I had quite a 20s phase in my teens and twenties mm-hmm. um I love the clothes um so I thought well, that sounds good well, I'll, I'll see if I can get a hold of a copy of that so I did, and I really really liked it, which mm. was a bit of a death wish because i <laughs> right, he's written so many books. Very, books.
0: very prolific. So, yes. Yeah,
1: so um, I that was the first one I read, uh, and I went on to amass quite a collection, really, and I haven't stopped amassing quite a collection, because I haven't yes. got everything by any means. I have a whole so, Beverly shelf, but it's not complete. <laughs>
0: well, I first read him very recently, only last year, I think, so it was for the 1951 Club that we ran, um, mm-hmm. and I read Mary Hall, and... Um, it was the first one I read, but it wasn't the first, in fact. The first one I actually read was a, um, a collection of essays he did with Monica Dickens called "Yours Sincerely."
1: But I didn't mm. realized
0: I'd read that until I looked back at my reading notes. So I'm not going to count it as particularly life changing. Um, but yes, Mary Hall, I I was the first one I read, but I had been buying books by him for about 15 years, I think. So I discovered after I read it that I had. 12 other books by him waiting so it's just as well that i liked <laughs> yeah <laughs> it,
1: was,
0: it was i think so many. well he's people... right up
1: your street isn't he well exactly I mean, 19, the... 1920s witty <laughs> i know hello
0: right yes <laughs> yeah and i think it was one of those people that so many people had recommended or you know people whose tastes i shared liked it they thought well of course i like him i'll buy this one as well <laughs> but never quite got around <laughs> to reading them um but i was very pleased that i read in fact, we shouldn't go much further before we explain what these books are about. So, would you like no. to? Um, would you like to synopsize the Sweden Twenties or Mary Hall?
1: Um, I'll talk about the Sweden Twenties. <laughs> that's that's
0: Because he just finished it. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: basically, it's it's quite random in a lot mm. of ways, but then a lot of Beverly books are, particularly I think, as he got older. It's his thoughts on the 20s looking back from the late 50s um so it's a mixture of reminiscence um a bit of polemic in there because he's railing against the modern world and um railing against war and whatever he happens to be cross about and then some wonderful funny reminiscences about all these wonderful figures from the the 1920s like ivan novello noel coward all the Mm. the names you might recognize a lot probably a lot of names that are now forgotten as well Mm. um But it's very nicely illustrated, some beautiful pictures and little drawings. I think there's some drawings in places around it. um, It was classic Beverly, really.
0: Yes. And so, um, and Mary Hall is also from the 19... So, he's both from the 1950s. He was writing from the 20s onwards, but we've gone for... um, In fact, maybe earlier, but we've gone for quite close ones. And Mary Hall is the first of a trilogy of books about his house and garden. He'd written an earlier trilogy in the 30s, I think I'm right saying. yes. Yes, about a different house. And then, so this one, it starts with him house hunting. He's obviously got a lot of money to spend, <laughs> um, and he ends up buying this large house with a large garden, um, which is not to his taste. And the book is ostensibly about him doing up the garden. And in in other books in, this, in the trilogy are about doing up the house, but it's also about the, the cast of characters, um, who include Oldfield the Gardener, this Miss Emily, the, um, local busybody, essentially. Um, there's the, the specter of the doves who lived there before. Um, and essentially it's, yeah, a very, very funny book about the experience of making the house and garden his own, which. Fiction or non fiction, or both? Hard to say.
1: <laughs> mm. I think both myself, yes. but uh, <laughs> we can get on to his fictionalisations later. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cause it was, I've, I've got the Wikipedia page up just to check. Because oh, uh, yeah. um, the, the first trilogy started in the 30s with Down the Garden Path. Mm. Um, and then this one was 51, and uh, the, 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 this trilogy went on through the 50s. But um, yeah, I mean, he was writing fairly. Prolifically up till I'm just looking to see when we think the last into the 70s actually. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, Gosh. yeah. No wonder there were so many. <laughs> there were, there are a lot. Yeah, he was because um, he died in 1983. Okay. um Yeah, and the last book looks like in 1978 possibly. So yeah, oh. he was. Yes, I have the Yours Sincerely Summer as well. I'm sure, but I just haven't read it yet. Yes. <laughs> so. Um. You say yes
0: yeah, so let's let's talk about them. Um. I, um, I really enjoyed the sweet and Twenties a lot. I loved it, in fact. Um, and I, I hadn't quite known what it was about. My friend Hayley, who blogs at Desperate Reader, gave me, um, my coffee, and we'll come on to who gave you yours in a second. (laughs) But, um, but yes, um, it was, you know, it was was almost like it was tailor written for me, essentially, a book (laughs) about uh, how great the 1920s were, um, by a very witty writer. And it, it, if, in some level, it feels like it shouldn't work because it is, essentially just each chapter is him being like, oh, what shall I write about now? This will do. There's not much of a structure. Um, and his reminiscence is extremely subjective <laughs> um, and certainly not the experience of the everyman in the 1920s. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, I found it fascinating and a great insight to many of the figures who are well known to anyone who's interested in the 20s, I guess. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um it, 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 yes it, it's it, it's a bit rambling in places it's absolutely lovely it's fascinating yeah. as well because th- that's the way he is you imagine in some ways you're having a conversation with him and yeah, that's how he yeah. reads um and he digresses and he goes off at tangents and he talks about one thing then talks yeah. about another thing but it's just it's just so beautifully written i love the way he writes i mean i love his humor he gets a bit sort of not exactly dark but snarky in places about the state of the world and i i like that as well he and he's not completely blind to he doesn't just look back at the mm. 20s and say yeah it was fabulous he'll point out the downsides as well and um, surprising, yeah
0: yes surprisingly progressive about racism which i hadn't really expected from him
1: no i um, know
0: so that was good so he's highlighting not just the racial inequality in the 1920s but also he's saying still today in 1958 when it was published um which I mean, I I had done him an injustice to where I thought he probably wouldn't have been much of a crusader on that on that
1: front. No, well, no, it's, it's odd. I mean, he's he's almost um, although he's if you like, he's he's is seduced by the glamour of the past and the glamour of the twenties. But it's almost like he's got a slight ambivalence because he talks about the the, the problems that people had who didn't have money in those mm-hmm. days that that, it, that, it, that all this was happening, but. Ordinary people were still having to live a life, so it, it was very interesting from that point of view. And I mean, he, he, he writes in this book and also in Twenty Five, his earlier autobiography, about the Edith Thompson case, and he's oh, right, yeah. very violently anti-capital punishment. So I think good for you to be yeah. coming out of that. And but he obviously was quite affected by it to, to write about it those two times. Um, yes, I think that was one
0: of my sorry.
1: As I it's a while since I read 25, but that is the one chapter that stands out so strongly to me, the one that he wrote about the Edith Thompson case. And again, he went back to it in this one, which is a lot so many years later, and it obviously had really had an effect on him, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably the bit I found most interesting. Though, because, um, in an earlier episode, Rachel and I compared um, Appendix to See, the Peep Show by F. Dennis and Jesse and Messalina of the Suburbs by Ian mm. Delafield, which were both novelisations of the Thompson Bywaters case um so yeah it was really interesting to read another perspective particularly from someone who unlike those novelists clearly believes that she did it or not did it but you know that she was culpable but still yeah she she should have been hanged for it um so yeah and it that was fascinating but I should should also say there's a, a lot of very Frothy and gossipy bits alongside these more serious sections. Oh, yes. I also loved those. There's, oh,
1: they were well,
0: great. <laughs> yes. It's, 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 it's very gossipy and I loved all of that. But whether yeah. about the, you know, the Sitwells or about all these society hostesses that I'd never heard of. <laughs> <'cause>,
1: <laughs> I, I thought that, I loved the way he wrote about I Have the Novello. I thought that yes, was lovely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And he seemed to have gone to every event out there. So again, he does talk a bit about the flight of the Everyman, but he's also going to parties and you know, Bloomsbury and all that sort of thing.
1: Yes, yes. I didn't agree with him on Virginia Woolf, obviously. No,
0: well, unsurprisingly, <laughs> yes, actually, yes. We, we are of, of one mind when it comes to Virginia Woolf.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I take no criticism of Virginia Woolf from anybody. <laughs>
0: yeah. but, Although she would have been uh, no, terrifying to know. Yes.
1: Oh, God, yes. I mean, I probably would have fell on the floor in a jelly if I'd ever come across her. <laughs> but um, she, uh, yeah, I mean, her writing can't be criticised anyway. But he—it's interesting because this is 1958, and obviously we look back from a much later point with different perspective, and we can see well he's saying this person will survive and this person won't. He's not always right, but it's still interesting to see what he thought at the time because people like Cecil Beaton and Ivan Novello and Noel Coward are still rated, and that's a long time mm-hmm. after after this book and after they were alive. So
0: yes, and I think there was a bit. We, I think Noel Coward is very out of fashion in the 50s, wasn't it? so he's talking about about, yes, how he, you know, is sneered at by people in the, in the way yeah. that he isn't now, I think. I think people just do, in general, disrespect respect him for being a great writer now. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I like,
1: did you, did you notice the bit where he was talking about Oscar Wilde?
0: Oh, yes. Often, <laughs> he yeah. says, it's a
1: lovely Oscar, but you need a good slapping. <laughs>
0: yes, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was
1: a shame he wasn't around to sort, sort Oscar out at the time.
0: Yes. And there's a
1: <laughs> yes, a fascinating scene
0: where he meets um, Alfred Boys. Yes. Um, as an old man who's sort of, you know, this cause celeb back in the day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was fascinating. Mm. He, does, he does just seem to think, oh, I want to meet this person, therefore I will. So it's great to have, it's like, an access all areas <laughs> to yeah. the legacy yeah. of the 1920s. <laughs> um, we'll talk more about that, but we should go back to uh, Mary Hall before we, yes. we get too sidetracked. <laughs> um, so when did you first
1: read Mary Hall? 2013.
0: Oh, i, right. I know that that I,
1: <laughs> I know that because i checked on the blog because my memory being what it is it's a useful aid memoir yes 2013 i think it was possibly one of the first ones i read after crazy pavements probably the first gardening book of his i read or gardening house whatever you call yeah, it yeah. and i lo- loved it to bits i mean i just really loved it i mean he's just he's just priceless in it it's so funny yeah um, it, it's it,
0: i i think what it put me off for a while is that from picking it up is that i don't know anything about gardening i like gardens but i don't know anything about plants and i was a bit worried it would just be very specialist and i think the earlier trilogy i've only read the first one of that but that did lean more in that direction whereas this one i can attest that you can go to knowing very very little about horticulture and mm. still extru- find it wonderfully de- enjoyable i mean i will run run to any book of non-fiction or fiction which has people house hunting in it it's one of my favorite things to read about <laughs> so <laughs> i enjoyed it. it's a wonderful bit at the beginning of um mrs Tim of the regiment by d.e stevenson it's mm-hmm. all about house hunting and i still the only better remember from that book loved it oh, well. um, yeah. but and in fact my copy is uh was published by what's it called the companion yeah the companion book club and it's still got a little leaflet in it. Um, oh! Yeah, so Merry Christmas to every member. It's got a picture of Beverly Nichols standing with Oldfield in the greenhouse.
1: Oh, uh,
0: oh! A picture of him weeding. It's lovely,
1: yes. I think mine is a companion book club, but I haven't got that, damn it. That's <laughs> like uh, I say, damn it, yeah. on your podcast. Yeah, yes, that's right. Uh, um, <laughs> yes, mine, yeah, mine is a companion book club as well. I mean, the drawings are lovely. Oh, I love the drawings. And I remember that the first sort of the opening paragraphs just hooked me. Mm-hmm. um about sort of falling in love with gar- gardens about his various relatives that had died in gardens
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> just so had me
1: crazy. i sort of laughing after that but i thought well that's, that's it i'm, I'm sold uh, so <laughs> it's, it's probably a good in to beverly's writings about houses and gardens really because it, i mean i'm not a gardeny person either i mean I, I put a bulb in and i hope it grows and it usually yeah. dies so um <laughs> Uh, you, you, if it was too technical, I mean, I've, I've often wondered about Vita Sackville West's writings about gardens, because I imagine that she was very, um, mm. sort of much more detailed and technical, but he's not too technical. And when he's waxing lyrical about a plant, that's fine. I can, I can, I like to wax lyrical about plants as well. So I can yeah. identify without having to be a gardener.
0: But well, I often Googled the plants he was talking about, so I could see what they actually looked out looked like. Because I, unless it was, you know, a daffodil or something that I probably wouldn't know. But, no. um, and then sometimes he'd go into euphorics about something I'd look up and thought, well, that's quite ugly." But, but, yes. um, but I'm glad he enjoys. But yes, the, the illustrations in this edition by William McLaren. McLaren. Yes. Um, Lovely and also quite, it uh, seems very inspired by Rex Whistler, perhaps.
1: But, um. Yeah, I think Rex Whistler has pot- illustrated some Beverly's and I can't I remember exactly. But like, the first trilogy. Th- that could well be. Um, yeah. But yes, I'm sure that he's been illustrated by Rex Whistler and yes, and this is a similar kind of drawing, isn't it? But it is very lovely. Yeah. I mean, the, the end, the end papers are glorious.
0: Yes, they're great. Mm. They? Yes. So. Um, but yes, quite apart from all the gardening and whatnot, there's, um, there are these wonderful characters in it. Um, I, and Miss Emily is perhaps my favourite. So yes. uh, um interestingly, in the two sequels, which are called Sunlight on the Lawn and L- L- Sun- Laughter on the Stairs. Laughters, thank you. Um, she has mellowed an awful lot and become much nicer. <laughs> and I do yes. wonder if uh, um there was he claims that these, these um characters are, are based on amalgam of different people that he you know knew, but um, yes. I do wonder if it hit a bit too close to home. <laughs>
1: Yeah, possibly, if, if whoever it was recognised themselves yes. too strongly. They perhaps had a bit of a moan.
0: So, yeah, she can essentially see no r- wrong in the in the previous inhabitants of the house. And so every time he tries to change something, she's, she's horrified. And, you know, it's all these wonderful scenes. I, I think those big urns are in this book, aren't they, that he puts on the the pillars going down the driveway. Yes. um, And she finds the whole prospect terrible and comes along to tell him so. And it's, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah,
1: it it is. I mean, there's a kind of a template in in the books that he goes somewhere, he starts doing something, there's the various characters in the neighbourhood. But it's so amusing. It really is. Um, I'm trying to remember one of them. I read it. It might have been one of the later ones. There was quite a lot of pathos in it because there was a sort of neighbour that died. And I looked it up, and it turned out to be based on his old nanny, possibly. Oh yes, is that, um, yes. Yeah. I can't remember which one it is now. It's somewhere on my blog, but I don't. That's why I have a blog because I don't. <laughs> <Yeah. know. laughs> yes, I think that's. I think she's
0: in the second and third books, and dies in the third one.
1: That probably yeah. is it. Yeah. yeah. So it was slightly more downbeat and kind of reflected the sort of. But I mean, there are downbeat bit, bit, beat, beat bits in <laughs> the Sweet and Twenties. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's obviously sort of if you think about the 50s and he's, he's going on about the atomic bomb and the death wish and things like that. So he, he's not afraid to go in that direction occasionally. And I know very um, little
0: about the general strike, um, so I don't know how, how accurate
1: or objective his views on it are. But um, was No. Yeah. Well, I, I was the same about Ireland, because he talked about Ireland quite a bit. I thought, mm, I have mm. no information on this and I can't make a judgment as to where he's standing on that at all. He's always interesting, whatever he's writing about. Because of the way he uh, yeah, writes.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um,
1: but I don't always know what he's talking about.
0: <laughs> you see, the see, things I know about the, the Irish troubles of that period come from novels by Elizabeth Bowen and uh, Molly Keen, and so sort of, I suspect equally not very um, objective. So no.
1: I'm going to do
0: some non-fiction reading about these things, perhaps. Um, yeah. One of the things I found really interesting was about the fashion of the 1920s, um, particularly about the colours, because... Mm. I guess when people put on, you know, 1920s balls now, whatever, they're always in black and silver and gold headbands and all that sort of thing. And when he was talking about them wearing emerald and tangerine and all these deep, rich colours, that didn't... Perhaps that's just me, but it didn't go with my understanding of what the 20s are, because obviously I've seen black and white photographs. No.
1: (laughs) Well, to be honest, a lot of my introduction to the 20s was the 1970s Great Gatsby film with Robert Redford and Mia Farrow. And that's very... Pastel if I seem to remember Lots of pale pastel colours Oh okay. Not 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 Lots of str- I mean that may have just been The effect they were going for In that film Wanting it all sort of Misty and nostalgic And all that Sort of sure. thing Thinking back But um, That Which If you like Gave me my Impression of the 20s at the time Which has probably Stayed with me To a certain extent Would be Exactly the same reaction As you The colours he mm-hmm. were talking mm-hmm. about Was not the colours You would expect Necessarily from the era So that yeah. That was from somebody who had lived through it, was was very interesting.
0: Um, yeah, and it, it, I did feel a bit sad that he'd obviously been affected a bit by the 1950s into thinking that 1920s fashion was absurd because he was saying how silly it was and how laughable, and I was thinking, it looks great. It's the best it's, fashion there's ever been. <laughs>
1: th- those dresses, um, well, they're, they're gorgeous. So, they're yeah,
0: wonderful. I, yeah. I don't
1: agree with him at all. I mean, 20s clothing was fabulous. Yeah, I, I mean, do, I can
0: it- I can imagine the sort of the dropped waist because it wasn't the most flattering or comfortable for many people. But you know, in these pictures, I think it looks wonderful. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, if, if, if you were, if you were skinny enough, that's great. And, um, uh, you have to remember he's a man writing. Um, yes. I think we, a woman writing about the, the clothes. I mean, there's a certain liberation a, about cutting your hair and being able to wear those kind of clothes. Um, yes, I having... did
0: enjoy the fact that he was pinpointing which year it was that women started, you know, having the whole flapper bob in general. Because I think often I just think about the twenties as being one sort of amorphous <laughs> blob when it comes mm. to fashion, and and when he when he got to a bit saying that people had these enormously long Edwardian hairstyles in nineteen twenty two, say, um, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. And only later in the decade did they start chopping it all off <laughs> yes
1: well we make these generalizations looking back i mean if you live through yeah. it you you see the changes are perhaps more subtle and more gradual but then you you take an image if you like of a decade and yeah it was all like that so the 50s was teddy boys that the 40s was the war and austerity yeah, yeah. Um, and, and oh, lord knows what they were in the 30s <laughs> <laughs> great depression i guess yes. <laughs> not a lot yeah yes. <laughs> old things yes yeah um and i think there's
0: In some ways, Mary Hall uh, feels um, like it's out of time, like this community doesn't feel particularly beholden to the 50s or into any other decade, it's sort of very self-sufficient and it it feels a bit like it hasn't changed since, you know, the mid-Victorian period in terms Mm. of mores and social networks and that sort of thing.
1: Definitely, yes. I mean, well, it's it's what you imagine, if you like, the kind of timeless quality of an English village, Mm, um, mm. which... Is unchanging over the decades. So you could go back to Molly Panther Downs and where she's living and mm. anything like that. It's and Cranford
0: really, to be honest. Well, yeah. Yes, yeah.
1: if you could want go to go back, get back to that further, part. yes. Yeah. I mean, you still have, you still have sort of ordinary human beings in that small situation behaving as human beings do, uh, regardless of what the superficial landscape of the world has changed to.
0: And I found his politics rather more progressive in the Sweet and Twenties than in Mary Hall, and perhaps that's the difference between a fictionalised version of himself and and a non fictionalised version. But, um, so I can't remember whether it was this book or one of the others in the trilogy, but he has various views about, um, the welfare state, I think, and also mm. <laughs> about, or in general, just young working class people. He seems to have a, a horror of them. Well, a fascination with them yeah. that's more than a horror. He, the, the, the people who come to tend his garden, he, Acts like they're not quite humans.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he is. Yes, he, I mean his politics, particularly given his background and the, mm. and the sort of person he was, uh, surprisingly liberal in places. Um, and yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, I mean, he's quite anti the Americans at points, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. In in the Sweet and Twenties about uh, uh, he's going on about the Mayor Thompson of Chicago winning an election, uh, wanting to keep. King George at Chicago. He says the the inhabitants of that enlightened city believed, in all seriousness, that the British king was planning to attack them. (laughs) It was was this fantastic episode which convinced me that American (laughs) ignorance of world affairs was one of the greatest dangers to the peace of the world.
0: Well, please, yes, (laughs) yeah,
1: well, quite. He says that conviction has not been weakened with the passing of years, and I think. You could still say that,
0: but there we yes, go. I, I, of course, we're saying that about certain members of the American government, not about our American listeners, who are all very. Oh yes, no, uh, we well love along. our American yes. listeners, yeah. but um, we
1: just um, we we yes. worry about the um, yes. politics over there, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And what we've not
0: talked about yet, which I should have done because it's one of my favourite things in Mary Hall, is the cats. Well,
1: <laughs> I wondered if you get on. <laughs> and I know as you're the, not as besotted with cats as I am. I, I don't mind cats. I had a cat once.
0: Okay. And, you,
1: and okay. he was called Pushkin, would you believe?
0: <laughs> I, I entirely believe it. Yes, I'd expect nothing else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, I'm probably more of a dog person nowadays. So I don't have one. But I can understand the love of cats. I mean, yeah, and Hargreaves does look very cute in the pictures. So. <laughs> oh,
0: Hargreaves <Harcourt> is lovely. <laughs> and I should tell him all about these. He does. He, he writes yeah. brilliantly about cats. And it's. I think it's very hard to write about cats in a way that is not sort of um, too saccharine. And his he he's obviously observed cats very carefully because he, un- he very much understands their nature. He's got cats called, is it, is it one and four in this book? Is it one, two and four at this point? I, I think
1: it's one and four in this book. I'm just having okay. a look at my review because I'm, <laughs> so. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was one and four. Um, so he, yes, he explains in the book
0: that he decided he wanted to have a hundred cats for the rest of his life, and so he started just numbering them. Numbering them. Well, it's <laughs> yes. easier
1: than trying to remember the names, isn't exactly. it?
0: Exactly. Yeah. I don't know quite, yeah. how, quite how far he got in that list. <laughs> no, I mean, but he all looked.
1: seemed to have cats, didn't he? So yes, yes. So. Um,
0: well, and there's a Siamese, and I think a black black cat. cat, cat. Perhaps that's not yes. right. But, um, but yes, he he yes uh, he um, writes very winningly about them. He's obviously very affectionate, without being without sort of failing to recognise their um their nature i guess yes <laughs> so.
1: yes yes no i imagine that would appeal to you the cat lover
0: um, yes. <laughs> aspect
1: of in fact he's i think he did some books on cats
0: he did the abc of cats um, and the xyz of cats yes neither I've, of which
1: i've got or read, but
0: i've got them but not read them <laughs> <laughs> so, um they, they're coming on the list at some point soon i'm sure yeah
1: yes well definitely you, <laughs> you, i think you can never read too much beverly
0: well, exactly. No. That was the one thing missing from the sweet and 20s was cats. No cats in there that I can there recall. There weren't any so. cats.
1: That's a good point, yes. Yeah. Although uh,
0: yeah. well, they just write about Sandy Wilson, um, the composer who did write a book about <laughs> a cat Sober's actress, which was terrible. But, um, oh, dear. Never mind. Yes, I was quite and who's in that. And
1: who's in that film on that's on YouTube? Yes.
0: yes. So um, Karen and I have both seen um, a film called, I think it's just called... 20s... Beverly.
1: Twenties Party, I think it's called. 20s Something. party,
0: that's right. Yes. Yeah. I'll put a link in the in the notes. But um it's a la- it's the launch for the Sweden twenties and they put on a twenties uh, party Charleston and all. Um and people like yes, yeah, Sandy Wilson and Nancy Spain and who else? Yeah, that I, was exciting. Um,
1: You've seen Nancy Spain, wasn't it? Yes, that
0: was a surprise. Um, L.P. Hartley pops up so yes yeah, so lo- Beverly looks a bit bewildered by the whole thing in the clip but um, yeah. but it was fun to watch yeah.
1: and there's rumours that the, the little band that are playing um, that, that Dudley Moore is in there
0: oh right gosh yeah, he so, wasn't yeah. everyone was there well yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so
0: but, but it was nice very discovery. sweet to see it Absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, and it did, I did think it was a spoof for a while because it had. <laughs> I've only seen that sort of newsreel item in spoofs of it, but of course it was very common at one point.
1: <laughs> well, it was. I mean, if you, if you listen to any, half of the Pathé news films that are up on the internet, you think are a spoof, but they're yes. not. They were actually straight at the time. <laughs> that terribly British accent and the yes, terribly, quite, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a terribly arch commentary. It's uh, very funny, <laughs> but um, it's nice that there is some footage of them out there. Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah. It did
0: make me want to go and look up other people because they do. I yeah, I've never really thought to explore on YouTube for for the authors from the 30s and 40s.
1: I must admit I haven't. No. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> that could be a wormhole. Occupy it'll, it'll well, exactly, for some time, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um
0: well, we're coming to the towards uh, the end of the hour. So, mm. I think this might be a harder decision. Have you made up your mind which of the two you're no, you, I'm you still... pick picked, <laughs> books decision.
1: Oh, that's really difficult, isn't it?
0: It is, it is. Uh, yes, um, I, I had not decided when I started, and I, I'm not sure I've quite decided yet.
1: <laughs> I am going to go for the Sweeten Twenties. Okay. Because, much as I love Mary Hall, it's one of several, if you like. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it is it is one of his best garden house books, I think. But mm. it's one of several he did like that. But the Sweeten Twenties, I... It, it's it's got so much in it, and it ca- I think it captures a lot of the twenties. But it, it's in a way that's perhaps unusual because it, although he's tinged my nostalgia, he's mm. not. He's quite clear-eyed in places as well. Um, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's it's an almost impossible decision because they're kind of different sorts of books as well. Um, I mean, oh, you, yes, yeah. you could you could do a you could do a a, a versus of his various um, garden books because there are so many of them. Yeah, but, yeah. but even to pick one of those would be difficult. So I'll say the and t- Twenties. <laughs> if you ask me tomorrow, it might be a different decision. <laughs> well, I think
0: the and Twenties might be my, certainly my favourite book I've read so far this year. Really, really loved it. And yet <laughs> I'm still going to pick Mary Hall um, ah. just. And I think it's partly because it's the first one I read by him. And so it has those memories attached. Um, and but I think what swings it is the cats. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if you put cats in the swing twenties, Beverly, that would have won. <laughs> but...
1: Okay. <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, great. Well, that was fun. Um, yeah. um, great. Um, thanks very much for being with us or with me <laughs> this episode, Karen. Where can people find you online?
1: Oh, uh, Com.
0: Brilliant. Um all the books and authors we've talked about um in this episode and that little video clip of Beverly um are at stuckinabook.com and in the next episode I'm hoping Rachel will be back. She had to take a bit of a break. If if she's not back for the next one, there might be a different guest, but if she is back, we'll be doing the bookshop by Penelope Fitzgerald and According to Mark by
1: Penelope Lively. Um
0: have you read either of those, Karen?
1: No, I've read both Fitzgerald and Lively, but I haven't read those ones. Um I read a lot of Lively back in the day but mainly her children's books so ah, I'll be interested to hear what you say about the
0: adults Yes, you'll find out what we think in the next yes. episode <laughs> um, Great, thanks for listening everyone
1: Bye, Bye. <laughs>